Have a seat. I love Grace Church. I love Grace, and I love Grace Church. <clears throat> okay, I got to scoot this back. This uh, little group of people has been such a blessing to me, and uh, <clears throat> gave me the liberty and freedom, and the time, and the what? The peace of mind, I guess. Uh, to figure more things out about God. And uh, so I hope you feel the same way because I just don't know what we would do. Where, what, where would we go? <laughs> I don't know. So hang around, all right? W would you agree with me? I think you would that we live in a season of time of great unrest. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah. I've certainly never seen anything that compares to it in my lifetime. And we've gone through seasons of civil unrest in our nation in the past. We did in the 60s and the early part of the 70s where I was coming of age and Vietnam War and all the stuff that's going on and the racial strife and all of the stuff that happened, uh, most of it, most of it peaceful. And we made progress also. Never seen anything like this. Where there's such, what, division and anger, frustration, hopelessness. We got lots of reasons to be concerned and to be worried. If you're prone to that, you, have a, you can have a field day in these days where we come to distrust not only one another but our public institutions and our leadership. And, and there's even the most venerated in the past uh, institutions such as healthcare and things like that that we, we never we never questioned in the past. We trusted. We just don't trust anymore. And uh, the Lord really kind of did indicate that we were going to go through some things like this. In the last days, difficult times will come. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, proud, irreconcilable, haters of good, malicious gossips without self-control. So, he's told us about it some. And I'm not sure this is exactly what that is referring to prophetically. It could be something far bigger and worse than what we face now. But people are afraid. They're scared. Fear rules the day. Anger. You notice it everywhere. I noticed it walking on the beach. People used to speak and interact when you'd meet them or whatever, and just at least acknowledge and say hi. I still do, but hardly anyone else does. It's like we're afraid to even talk to each other, acknowledge one another. And uh, frankly, from a personal perspective, and I know I've told you this before, it's been difficult for me. Uh, 
Someone a couple of days ago was asking me about message preparation or something like that uh, after we'd played golf. And I, I forgot what the question really was, but I said, well, what, I, what I've done most of my whole life is I preach to myself and let everybody listen in. That's what I do. And that's what I'm doing today. So I'm not saying that I've arrived at, at this place, but I'm certainly better than I was, and I have moments when it feels like this is what real rest feels like in the midst of whatever is going on. So I don't know what boat we're in. I have no idea. But I do know that Jesus is in there with us. And, it's, and I would bet that he's probably taking a nap in the midst of the, the boat that's in the storm. He's not the least bit concerned or worried. And you kind of shake him awake and he says, oh, good grief, guys, haven't y'all progressed past this? It's just a little storm and it's gone. So I'm confident in him. So I want to talk to you today about rest. And we can respond to unrest in several ways. We can respond with worry and fear and anger and suspicion and hatred and complaining. That's another big one. It's just spending your life complaining about things. David said in Psalm 77, I complained until my, until my, my spirit was overwhelmed. <laughs> he admitted that. I complained until my spirit was overwhelmed. And David is very open about his own struggles. I mean, a lot of the book of Psalms, I mean, he pours his heart out saying, God, where are you? I mean, my enemies have risen up about, uh, around me, and I'm anxious, and I'm frightened, and I don't know where to turn, and, and my soul is depressed, and on. He'll go on and on and on, laying his heart out like that. And then he'll come to a place like in Psalm 116 where he says this. He says... Return to your rest, O my soul. Return to your rest, O my soul. So that's kind of a phrase that I speak pretty often to myself. When I'm walking, when I'm meditating and praying, I'll do that. I'll say, return to your rest, O my soul. Because there is a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. This is not necessarily, you understand, I'm not talking about physical rest. I mean, you need, you need to have sense enough to do that on your own, and you should. I'm talking about spiritual rest, soul rest. I'm talking about what goes on between your ears and in your mind, in the way you think, in the way you deal with difficulties and challenges. That's what I'm talking about. There's a place of rest for our souls. And talking about this complaining thing. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul told the Corinthians this. He said, don't follow the example of Israel. That's what he's talking about. Don't follow their example of unbelief and start complaining and murmuring like they did to the point where serpents came among them. Serpents. So complaining, murmuring, anger, worry, stress, all of that kind of stuff really allows 
your mind, I don't know if it's the devil so much, is your own mind to be perplexed and hurt and harmed. Certainly all that stuff is, is very, very difficult on you physically. You know that, right? That probably a sizable portion of ill health is caused by worry and anxiety and stress and fear and frustration, and anger, and uh, all of that kind of stuff. Now, what I'm saying to you is, let's put this, these promises of God to the test in this kind of situation. Let's practice what we preach. Let's practice what we know to be true. That we have something in our understanding of God that a lot of other people don't have. Isn't that true? Just knowing the Lord is something that the majority of the world's population doesn't know. So let's see if it works. Let's, let's do it. Let's receive. Let's be open to what he's saying and come to rest. Let me read you just a verse, first of all, in, Hebrew, in Hebrews chapter 4. This whole chapter is about rest. The whole chapter of Hebrews uh, chapter 4. It says there in the headline of the chapter, the believer's rest. So you know that it has something to do with that, okay? I learned that in seminary, by the way. So. And in verse 1, he says, Let us fear lest we come short of entering, to, entering into God's rest. That the one fear we ought to have is the fear of not entering his rest. Now, I know he is talking about entering a relationship with God. I, I do realize that. But he's also, I think, addressing other things because of the end of the chapter, as I'll uh, talk to you about at the end of the message here. So enter his rest. Now here's, here's the truth in verse 10. The one who has entered his rest has, has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Rested from his works. Now we know that to be the message of grace, really, right? Right? Yeah. That we rest from our works, works of trying to please God, of, of trying to earn his favor or his blessing or his intimacy or anything else having to do with our own personal human performance in order to make God feel differently about us. We do understand that he's talking about that. But he's also talking about your soul rest. God has entered into rest. Any? Here's, here's something that's, that's really, really curious to me. In the creation story in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, it says, and the morning and evening, states morning and evening of the day, each day, as God did certain things in creation on these days. Morning and evening, indicating that there's a beginning and an end to the day. But the seventh day, the day of God's rest, evening is not even mentioned. So many people believe, as I do, that God's rest is eternal. It's everlasting. It never ends. The day never ends for him. He is at rest forever. Why? How come? Because 
He's done. He's done. And you are as done as he is. <laughs> you don't know it, but you are. You may not feel it all the time, but you are. You are as done as he is. He's finished. Tetelestai, Jesus. <laughs> that's why Jesus is at rest. That's why he's sitting. That's why he's sitting at the right hand of the Father until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet, Hebrews said. Because, as Matt says, tetelestai, it is finished. It's over with. The work is completed. So we have an eternal rest. The nation of Israel, in Hebrews uh, 4, through there, it, it, it talks about their failure. And Hebrews is written to the Jewish people. Their failure to enter the promised land. It talks about it in there. And they missed out on their promised rest in the promised land. At least the generation did, and they had to go back to the wilderness for 40 years and wander around. But the rest remained. The promise remained. And has been fulfilled in the new in Jesus. That promise is just as applicable today as it was then. I fear lest you come short of entering his rest, the writer of Hebrews said. He wasn't talking about entering the promised land then. He's talking about entering the presence of God, of clinging to the presence of God, of knowing God, of uh, positioning yourself by faith to receive all that God has to give. That's where rest comes from. True rest. Okay, in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, um, Jesus talks about rest. He said, come to me, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, who are weary and tired, who labor and are heavy laden. Again, talking to the Jews... The Israelites, and boy, were they ever burdened and heavy laden. Oof. Their, their religious system, added to by the rabbis and the Pharisees and Sadducees and all, all of their leaders, actually. Jesus said, you put burdens on the people that you don't keep yourself, that you don't carry yourself. You put burdens on them, but you're not willing to carry those same burdens. So they would have a separate list of burdens for themselves and others for the, you know, average people. So all kinds of restrictions were placed on them. Every bit of their personal lives was regulated. What you could do on certain days, what you shouldn't do on certain days, what you should do with money, what you should not do with money, what you, how you wash your hands, all kinds of things that... The people had no hope of ever accomplishing or doing and lead any kind of a normal life. They couldn't. And it kept getting worse as time went on until Jesus came. But he's also saying this to us. Come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden. All of you who 
feel like you're carrying a load, whether it's a performance load to please God or a, a load of circumstances, a load of issues, whether it's family issues, health issues, uh, financial issues, whether you're scared to death, you won't be able to pay the rent. There's, there's a guy that works out at Aliquot, a golf course, and he, you know, does maintenance, uh, mowing, all, all the stuff. He's been there for a long time. So I've gotten to know him pretty well, and gotten to know most of them pretty well. And he has cancer, and he's been through a lot of treatment. He's out there mowing. He looks like a, you know, he's lost a lot of weight, obviously. Has to have a, you know, a, a colostomy bag for a while, for several months, and he's got more treatments in the future. And uh, so, so in the beginning of all of that, he always stops and wants to talk for a minute if I'm out there and he's mowing or whatever. When I'm walking, I walk a lot out there. And uh, in the early stages, I said, Tim, you know, I, I don't know what God's going to do, but he's going to do something. He said, okay, uh, okay, that's, that's, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to believe that. And, and God has. I mean, he... He's cancer-free at the moment. There's some more treatments, you know, coming. But this last episode with him, he said uh, several weeks ago, he said, he's talking about his financial situation. He says, I, I, I don't know even how to pay my rent. And I've applied for this rent assistance thing, and, and they aren't doing anything and haven't done anything and said I'm too late and all of this. And he said, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be homeless. I may be homeless. He's pretty worried. Don't blame him, do you? Really? And again, I told him, I said, you remember what I told you, Tim? I don't know what God's going to do, but he's going to do something. He's going to do something in this situation for you. And I prayed for him. He said, okay. Well, two days ago, three days ago, I saw him again. He, I mean, he actually kind of quit mowing and drove his mower up to, to get to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? When he saw me. He said, uh, he said, out of the blue, he said, just out of the blue, all this stuff got untangled or something, and they said, did you get the check we sent? And I said, no. And he said, come to find out, they sent it to the wrong address. And he said, I, 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 got, I got rent. I, I, got, I got rent. And you know, some, some people out there helping him also. But he was just so excited to see. He, he, it's like, he said, you were right about that. God did do something. I said, yeah, he did. So I'm talking about entering in to a rest that only comes from God. And that rest is, uh, to me, is always motivated by my, by my own personal belief and confidence that God is doing something and will do something. He'll do something. He's doing something now in, in the world. It looks like he's taking a vacation to me, but he hasn't. He's still working, still doing. He's going to do things that are going to leave our jaws on the floor one of these days. I, I just believe that. I know that. And I've got a few little indications of that already. Some things that I never thought would happen in my lifetime have happened. And I rejoice in that. It feels good to me. It feels good to me. To be now, always, but in a nation and in a state at least, 
that finally got something right, corrected something that's been going on for 50 years. Things like that encourage me. Thank God, hey, you're not through. You're not done. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am, uh, what is the term? I am gentle and humble in heart. I'm gentle and humble in heart. Jesus said that about himself. You can believe him. He's gentle and humble in heart. For I am gentle and humble in heart, so you can learn of me. And you will find rest for your what? Your souls. You're talking about your mind, your will, your emotions, you. The, the, the you that exists. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. It's easy. Christianity ought to be easy. Knowing God ought to be easy. Has it always been easy to you in the past? Not me. It was confusing and difficult. A lot of the times, difficult. But it shouldn't have been because it's easy. Why is it easy? Why is his yoke easy? Because he did it all. He's done it all. There's nothing left for you to do. <laughs> My yoke is easy. And my burden, the burdens I put upon you are light, light burdens. Matter of fact, they're burdens that you will welcome, that you'll be happy about, that you'll be glad you have. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Here's, here's a, it may be a fable. I don't know. Could be true. Sounds true to me. But there's been all, some speculation, and I've read about this several times in the past. It just hit me uh, yesterday that, that this came back into my mind. That there's this legend, I guess, I don't know, that, G, that when, when a carpenter, it has to be a finished carpenter, a woodworker, every yoke on an oxen is uh, personalized. Meaning that you have to make one for each one of the oxen personally. And they have to be done in a proper way and fit them in a, in a perfect way to keep it from galling their neck. And greatly reducing their capability of doing their work. And legend has it that in the, in the silent years of Jesus' life, which we don't know much about, that he became the most skilled yoke maker in the country. And that there were lines of people, always had lots more work than he could do because of his skill in making a yoke for an ox team. Isn't that cool? He knows about yokes. He knew about yokes then when he said it. I want you to know that my yoke is easy. My burden is light. It will not chafe you. It will not hurt you. It will not diminish your capacity to do all that I put in your heart to do. It will help you and not hurt you. So what he's saying is this. In my mind, he's saying this in this passage of Scripture. He's saying, join me. 
That's what yoke means, is to be in tandem with, of being with, connected. Um, he's saying, join me in your journey of life. Join me. When you join me, I'm joining you. I'm already with you, but I want you to join with me and let's walk through life together and I promise you, your burdens will be light and your yoke will be easy. It's his promise. You'll find rest for your soul. Rest. It's only at rest only in rest do you become the best version of yourself. Only at rest. And see, here's some, here's some things. Worry and rest cannot coexist. Not at the same time. You can jump back and forth, I think. But you can't do both at the same time. You cannot rest when you're worried, and you cannot worry when you're at rest. You cannot be angry. You can't, you can't be angry and at rest at the same time. Uh, you can be righteously indignant or something. I'm not saying that. But I'm just being plain old mad. You know what I mean? You can't, you, you, you can't be fearful, fearful and resting at the same time. You're either fearful or you're at rest. You're either angry or you're at rest. You're either frustrated or you're at rest. You're either anxious, anxiousness and rest don't mix. They don't go together. What I'm saying to you, you are the person, you are the human being with the potential that God put in you exhibited only in rest. You're the best version of you at rest. You make better decisions when you're at rest. I, I can give you story after story decisions in my own life that I made bad decisions when I was worried and anxious and angry or whatever and I can show you some that worked out great that didn't that people would have questioned and did question when I was at rest and I was right moving to Florida would be one of those there were significant portions of my own family that were questioning me <laughs> for a little while they got over it and they they got on board and they said we trust God's voice to you and uh, go ahead and let's do it and so forth and so on and there were people in the church that thought the same thing, I'm sure, and probably some people here that thought the same thing. But That came in rest when I essentially said, Lord, it's, it's fine with me if that's what you want. If that's what you want, I'm, I'll not only do it, but I'll do it to the best of my ability and try to enjoy it. And the Lord speaks to us when we're at rest. We can hear him, let me put it that way. We can hear him when we're at rest. You're happier when you're at rest. 
you're happier. You're a whole lot easier to be around when you're at rest. People are influenced more by you when you're at rest. Don't you love being around rest, restful, happy people? Even in the midst of difficulties. I mean, Linda Infante out here has gone through all kinds of physical stuff, you know. Stroke and all kinds. I have never once seen her when she wasn't happy. I'm thinking, what do you got to be happy about? She, she, she would say to me, I don't need anything to be happy about. I'm just happy. My mentor in ministry, uh, Tammy's dad, Jack Taylor, we traveled for, I don't know, about three years together all over the country. Not, not all the time. We went our separate ways some, but it was frequently would be together in preaching and teaching somewhere in the country. And I learned a lot from him. And here's one of the things I learned, or tried to learn. Uh, he, he never got in a hurry. I mean, he, when he went somewhere, he moseyed. And he's moseying along. We could be running up, you know, we're going to be late, Jack. Nah, he's just moseying along. In his mind, well, they can't start without us, you know. Oh, he did, you know. And I, I, I remember the day, one day I asked him, I said, Jack, how can you always be so calm? How can you always act so calm? That's what I said. He looked at me and grinned. He said, son... I'm not acting calm. I am calm. Well, that stands out in the, in the frenetic lives we lead and in the difficult uh, situations we find ourselves in around people. So I'm trying to do that and be that. Last night, for example, there was somebody down at the end of our street. We have a circle down on the end of the circle down there that had a loudest party you've ever heard in your life. I mean, it's shaking our house. And we're a good ways away. I mean, not, not too far, but a ways. And you know, at first I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to go down there. Mm. I thought, nah. We have a noisemaker type fan thing in our room that we've always had because frogs are loud and all that stuff. But, uh, so I just turned that up on high and thought, Bless y'all, I'm not going to get involved, and I'm just going to go to sleep. That's a big change for me. Whatever they're doing is their deal. Just don't do it again. Trying to be at rest and at peace. Now, here's the truth, folks. The difference, there's not a big separation here. It's not a large distance here. It's merely this. It's looking here, situations all this stuff going on, focused on all that stuff, thinking about it, worrying about it, frustrated by it, angered by it, all this stuff, looking here and looking there. That's all. That restores my soul. Come to rest, oh my soul. Return to your rest, oh my soul. Where does it come from? from a deep abiding faith and confidence that my citizenship really isn't here, it's there. And that whatever comes, he has equipped us for such a time as this. 
So in some ways, it's privileged to live now. Because we get to try to be a light in the darkness. And the only way that's ever going to happen is if we come and continue to walk and live at rest and peace. The end of Hebrews chapter 4, this whole chapter is about rest now. If you ever read the whole thing, even some things in there that sounds like it's not, it is. It's all about rest. And I'll just I'll read to you the last two verses of Hebrews chapter 4. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus knows. He's been through this himself. Who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. The answer is to come into his presence, receive his mercy and grace in time of need. He's like saying, Clark, stop worrying. I've got this. I'm in the boat with you. I'd appreciate you not waking me up, but if you need to, go ahead and I'll take care of things. Okay? Won't you stand? Let me pray for you. Oh, yeah, y'all can come on up. I forgot to tell you. <laughs> See, most of the time they have some kind of a, you know, keyword or something at the end when the, everybody knows when to come up. I, they always ask me, what's your thing going to be? I say, I have no idea how this is going to end. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Come unto me, all you, all of you who labor, are weary, and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light there still remains for the people of God God's rest God's rest still remains always will he's at rest Christ is at rest and we're in them and they're in us we can have the same rest they have thank you Father for the encouragement we don't have to live that way we don't have to live stressed and worried and angry and frustrated filled with vitriolic thoughts and words and that you've given us the capacity to change our own existence in the midst of whatever's going on. So Lord, by faith today, I set my eyes there and not here. 
and I slip into your yoke. I don't even know how to thank you enough, Lord, for, for what you've done and what you're doing, and who you are, what you've accomplished, what you've done for me and us, all of us, for the security we feel in knowing you and knowing that you're a good, good father. That you have the highest regard for every one of us and everyone else and that you're up to something Father that I just don't know about and I just don't see that's what walking by faith means but I believe you are I don't know what you're going to do but I know you're going to do something so I just bless these dear ones and pray that we all We all come to and continue to walk in rest. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless.